Today, but before you leave this place, I'd like us to learn a different way to leave. And I want to find a different way to dismiss you. And the key word we're using today, if you just get this word, you got the message. It's the word sent. It's a great Bible word. It's the same word we get the word apostle. An apostle is simply someone who's sent by another to represent them. The apostle, that word is not just used for the 12 apostles. It's used for people throughout Scripture. And so today, we want to, to leave here a sent person. The word that maybe you and I would use for this is the word ambassador. That's a great word. When you sort of represent your country, and more importantly today, that we represent Jesus Christ. Many of us were honored to, to be at experience where that felt like when the Iron Curtain came down a couple of decades ago. And you got to go in those former communist countries, and uh, sometimes you were the first American they had met. I was able to go with a group from Pensacola to the Gorlovka, Ukraine, and it was an amazing experience. But, but what fascinated me was people's different responses to Americans. Uh, there was one college student that hung out at our hotel all the time. You could hardly get him to look you in the eye. You couldn't engage him. And he seemed to be fearful of us. So finally, one day, I made him talk to me, and I said, man, man, how are you doing, and what's going on? And he quickly said to me, where are you from? I said, well, I live in Pensacola, Florida. His second question was this, have you ever seen a shootout? And I'm thinking, where does this come from? And then I, I thought long enough to figure out he's watched too many American what? Movies, okay? So his impression of us is that we just go around shooting each other up. No wonder he didn't want to talk to us. And then I met a Ukrainian coal miner who his first statement to me was, all Americans are wonderful. And, and I thought to myself, he's not right either. I could introduce him to some people that I know, okay? <laughs> all Americans are wonderful. I said, well, why do you feel that way? He said, before the Iron Curtain ever came down, I work in a coal mine. And this American coal mining executive came to our little city. And he went down in the coal mine shaft with us. And all of a sudden, we're, you know, we're going down and we're taking him. We get where the shaft gets smaller. And finally, we turn around and we go back toward the elevator. And right before we're all to get back on the elevator, this American executive, he's wearing a coat and tie and nice dress shoes, asked about one of the Ukrainian men who had gone down in the shaft with us. He said, where is he? And we go, we don't know. And we just sort of were shocked when this American executive got on his hands and knees and crawled back through that coal mine to find that Ukrainian. We didn't expect that. All Americans are wonderful. And so as ambassadors for America, but more importantly for ambassadors for Jesus Christ, that opened up great doors. In fact, that same coal miner was later baptized. One of the funniest scenes I've ever seen. We didn't have a baptistry, so we had a tub in our hotel room. It wasn't really that big. And so we, we take him to the hotel room. There's about 10 people in this little restroom, you know, trying to baptize this guy. Now, I don't understand this. It must be a Ukrainian thing. But this big old burly guy insisted on being baptized naked. Okay? Maybe that's why I can't get the scene out of my mind. But... um. He's baptized naked, and, and he's too big and too broad-shouldered to get under the water. So we got this wonderful older man from Pensacola, so fired up for Jesus, Lewis Ross. Love that dude. And he's trying to baptize him. And, and he's trying to push him down under the water so it counts. 
And he, he, he can't get him all the way under the water. So finally, Brother Lewis just starts sloshing the water <laughs> over his shoulders. You see, some churches sprinkle, some pour, some immerse, we slosh, okay? And so it was this wonderful thing. And, and, and you love when you have that moment when you know God has sent you somewhere. And, and, and when we get to this point of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is handing off his ministry. To this point, Jesus has done everything. I mean, he's done all the miracles, he's done all the teaching. Uh, the apostles are well okay with Jesus doing everything, but Jesus knows he's about to leave. And so he's got to equip them for ministry. And so we're going to see two stories here. First of all, he's going to send out the, the 12 apostles on what we call the limited commission. And then a chapter later, we'll see him send out 72 disciples. And then by the time we get to the end of the book of Luke, he's sending us out. He said, what's the significance of 12 and 72? 12 apostles, they were sent to the Jews. The, the number 12 even represented the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, what about this crazy 72 number? I think the 72 number represents the gospel going to all the world. You see, back in Genesis 10, right before the story of the parable of Babel, scriptures list all the nations on the earth, and guess how many nations there were? 72. And so Jesus is saying, once again, the gospel of Luke is not just for Jewish people, it's for everybody. And he's saying to us, it's for you and I to spread. So I think we see two things in the passage we're looking at. First of all, we're going to see lots of warnings. And you might write these two down. First of all, we need to recognize that you are in enemy territory. Guys, we are in a war zone. And it's not what your news would tell you that we're in a cultural war. I'm tired of hearing about that. We are not in a cultural war. We are in an eternal war. And then the second warning is you will be opposed. We've got to understand that. Everybody's not going to applaud us. Everybody's not going to pat us on the back. We will be rejected. And guys, if we don't understand that, we set ourselves up to be very vulnerable to attack. It's like before World War II. British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain went to meet with Hitler. He placated him. He landed back in Great Britain, and he said, guys, you're all going to be so happy. We now have peace in our time. And Great Britain was not prepared for what was going to happen. And then another leader, Winston Churchill, rose. Maybe you watched The Darkest Hour, great movie. And Churchill didn't say those words. He prepared his people for battle. He says, I have nothing to offer you but blood, sweat, tears, and trouble. And they were ready to face the battle. And Jesus is ready to prepare his people and then he's going to give us some great wisdom about how we go. So open your Bible, get on your phone, Luke chapter 9. Let's watch Luke 9, then we'll go in Luke 10. Here's the, the story of the sending out of the 12. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff. No bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. 
So he sent them out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. They're doing exactly what Jesus had trained to do. And then we go to Luke chapter 10, and Jesus wants to expand the mission. So we see the sending out of the 72, verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of harvest, therefore, to send out workers into, listen to this, his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among the wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. Now, to our ears, that sounds rude. But he's not talking about don't speak to someone. In ancient days, to greet someone at minimum was three or four hours. Maximum was two or three days. So he's saying, on your way to this mission, don't be sidetracked. And then verse 5, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town or welcome, eat what's offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. God's kingdom, heaven is breaking out on earth. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. You be sure of this. And Jesus gets sort of negative here. The kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it would be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for this town. What Jesus is saying here in these next verses is, guys, if Sodom and Gomorrah knew what you knew, uh, the, the goodness of Jesus Christ and the grace of God, they might have repented. They got more excuse than you. Listen to what he says. Woe to you, Chorazon. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. It will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon and the judgment than you. And you, Capernaum, that was his place of ministry. That was his headquarters. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. And then this is some of the coolest verses in all the Bible. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, said, Lord, even the demons submit to us. It's so cool, Jesus. We were able to do exactly what you did and told us we could do. Listen to Jesus' reply. <laughs> He's so excited. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. You are doing exactly what I predicted. You are smashing the head of the ancient servant. serpent. You're doing it. And then Jesus says this. But be careful, guys. This is not the big deal. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's the big deal. It's not the demon possession deal. It's not the miracles. The big deal is the greatest miracle, which is salvation. So let's try to get some wisdom here. Is God will send us from this building in just a few moments. How do we go? First thing I will say is you must go with God. Jesus gives them power and authority. 
We learned a few weeks ago that these miracles, one of their purposes was to confirm the message of the Word of God. And and so today, when we go, the authority we carry with us is the Word of God. It's not authority on our own. It's in the name of Jesus through His written Word that we have authority, that we can be bold. And so we don't need to go simply sharing what we think about things. There's enough of that out there, right? We need to go sharing what God says. We need to go with power and authority. And my friends, here's what I want to say to you and to say to me is that's when we grow, guys. The the moments of your growth spiritually are when you step out of your comfort zone and you go. When you want to tell somebody about Jesus and you don't have the words, so you just pray to the Lord of Harvest. When you want to invite somebody to church and you're scared they might reject you, you go ahead and by the power of God you do it. You want to put in a good word for Jesus and pray at the the company lunch. And you go ahead and do it, not by your power, but God's power. So go with God. Second, go together. I mean, the emphasis here was that you go two by two. That's pretty wise. I, I don't think what God is saying is two is the only number. I think what God is emphasizing is don't do this alone. You'll do a whole lot better in this war zone we live in if you don't go out and fight it by yourself. Because here's what I found out. People who try to fight Satan by themselves get picked off. That's why the Marines, when they tell a Marine to dig a foxhole, they say you've always got to dig a foxhole big enough for two people. Because one guy gets discouraged. One guy gets lonely. One man feels defeated. But together, you can do amazing things. And so God says to us, don't go out there as that lone ranger evangelist and get picked off. You go with somebody. I encourage you, partner with a friend. That's what's so exciting about what's going to happen the next two weeks in this church. And you need to be a part of this. As we form these groups, I've seen so many life groups where, you know, together, you know, I've invited my friend from the neighborhood, shows up at life group, and the whole life group reaches them. Or, 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 you know... You bring your friend to church and you, you text your life group and go, Bob's coming with me and, and man, everybody surrounds him and someone else invites him to lunch and someone else, and, and you work together. That's why it's so important. And even some of our ABC groups on Wednesday night, they're, they're the perfect non-threatening thing to invite someone to. Come, come to me a, with a book club. We read all kinds of books. Come to me. We've got a new group starting in a couple of weeks called, you know, a support group on depression and anxiety. My friends, that's epidemic in our country. You know someone at work struggling? Say, come with me to that group. One of the best things we've had going the last year and a half has been something on the Life Center floor called Faith and Fitness. Rebecca Burrell did a beautiful job with that. And now Rick and Stephanie Solar are going to take that over. And all you got to do is see them and know they'll be good at it, all right? Just look at them. And, man, the, man, these guys are spiritual people. These guys know about diet and exercise. How unintimidating to say, hey, come to me, to this group, and let's reach out together. So go together. Number three, go with simplicity. You know, one thing that hits you is that Jesus says, guys, don't take all your possessions with you. Don't take everything you might need. Don't even take a carry-on. But basically, Jesus said, don't even take a change of underwear. What's that about? I think Jesus is teaching about hyperbole here. I think he's exaggerating to make a point. What he's saying is, don't go weighted down. Travel light. 
When you hear the call of God, don't have your life so encumbered by things and activities that you can't go where God wants you to go. The mission can't wait. See, many of us, we always think, you know, when, man, when I finally get married, when I finally have children, the children finally leave. When finally, then I'm going to get to that point where I can do all these great things for God. Jesus says, don't wait. Go when God calls you. And then he says, I love this point. I never thought about this to this week. Go transferring rejection. Did you notice that point? Jesus said, okay, if, when you go and they reject you, uh, who have they really rejected? You might remember? You guys here this morning? Who do they reject? You guys are very sad this morning. Who do they reject? Jesus. Okay, it's, it's not a trick question, I, I promise you. They rejected Jesus. Now, see, when you survey people about sharing their faith, what is our number one fear? Rejection. If I were to tell that family member, what would they do? That friend, that schoolmate. And Jesus says, I'm going to take the pressure off you. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. See, our problem, guys, is we take it personally. And Jesus is saying in so many words, don't take it personally. It really has nothing to do with you. It has something to do with me. Now, I don't know about you, but I need that. I'll tell you what, at least in my thought today, would be my number one struggle being the minister of this church. And that's going around this city, eating at different restaurants, going to different activities, and running into people who used to be fired up for Jesus. Who used to be active parts of this church. I know I shouldn't do it, but I take it personally. It just hurts. And I'm not talking about someone who's gone to another church and thriving. I'm talking about someone who's just, they lost their fire for God. It hurts. And Jesus is saying to me, and I hope he's saying to you, is, buddy, that has nothing to do with you. You let me carry. It's like, like a friend that says to you, you know, I know you're all uptight and worried about this. Let me worry for you. I'll just take it on myself. So, so go. And, and another point here, I love this one. This is my favorite part of the passage. Go celebrating victories. You see, if you go back to John chapter 10, in verse 17, the disciples come back and they're so full of joy. I mean, they're so proud of themselves. They did what Jesus asked them to do. And then you get to verse 21, and guess what? Jesus is so proud of them because they've had this success. But here's what you've got to notice, and you won't notice it in your English Bible. There are two different words there. The word for joy with the disciples is an inner gladness and rejoicing. Catch this one. The word for Jesus' joy means this, to leap for joy, excessive delight to dance and sing in joy. You say, buddy, you expect me to believe that Jesus danced and sings and jumps? I know this can kill you, Church Christ folks, but yeah, I think he did, all right? I mean, Jesus, this is what I love. These guys are so excited, but what the Greek says is they're excited on the inside, and Jesus' excitement is physical. I mean, he's so fired up about these guys that he's jumping up and down. And guys, one of the biggest things that we've got to learn to do as a people is learn how to celebrate. 
Some of us are so stinking driven that one good thing happens, and I don't even stop and thank God about it. I'm on to the next thing. Guilty as charged. And what God did, even in creation, and what Jesus did here with his disciples is they stopped and celebrated. Guys, we're going to talk in a couple of weeks about a lot of things we need to work on as a church as we reveal this reveal survey to all of you. But there's a lot of things in there we need to celebrate. And I'm telling you, if we don't learn to celebrate, we'll never learn to attack the things we need to work on. We just don't do well at that. So we celebrate what's going on. Our, our, our campus in Birmingham right now has just, just had great growth and just things have just really, last six months, something's happened. And just a couple of Sundays ago, they had a Sunday there they called Celebration Sunday. And they did nothing but stop and celebrate what God is doing. And guys, we need a Celebration Sunday because God's doing great things. And I believe if we'll celebrate what he is doing, it will open the door for him to do a whole lot more. And then one more point here. As you go, go looking for the person of peace. You know, that's a phrase I never had noticed till a few months ago. And, and, and I was doing some discipleship material, and, and their, their point was, when you're out there, look for the person of peace. Who is the person of peace? The person of peace is that person whose God has already prepared them to receive you and to receive the gospel. You see, for too many of days in my life, I picked the one to share the gospel with, and they may not even be open, and I just beat my head against a brick wall. Jesus says, if they're not open, dust your feet off and move on. Jesus did that with the rich young ruler. He loved that guy, but he let him walk off, and he didn't chase him. And so for us, my friends, I'd love that to become a part of our vernacular here at Landmark is, who have you met lately as a person of peace? It's, it's the person that initiates with you. I, I met, a, met a guy at the gym yesterday. He just like, uh, you know, I'd seen him somewhere I didn't know, and I, I didn't really say anything to him, and he was so impressed with how hard I was working out. <laughs> no, he, he intimidated me. So uh, he, he walked up to me and said, I know you from somewhere. And I said, um, I, I don't know. And he's a football player at one of the local schools. And he, uh, he's like... I, you know, I spoke at this seven-on-seven camp. Oh, I think I was there. And I, I went to this event at your church. I said, it was gridiron, wasn't it? He said, yeah, it was the year that Reese Davis spoke. And so man, he's, I'm like, okay, man, I'm going to buy you a ticket tomorrow. That was the person of peace. It was obvious that he was okay with initiating and talking and giving me his phone number. And guys, you're going to see those people out there. And those are the people that we gravitate to because they are prepared by God already to hear what you got to say. Wow, what a great time praising God. You know, as we prepare to, to send you, I know this whole idea of being sent, of being a missionary, it's easy for me to see Kevin. It's easy for me to see and believe that about them. But the question is, do I see it for me? And there's a verse of great hope at the end of the story where Jesus talks about the kind of people that are sent. Verse 21, Luke chapter 10. At that time, Jesus, full of joy, that's that jumping up and down joy, through the Holy Spirit said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. 
Yes, Father, that is what you are pleased to do. Listen, what it says there is that the person who's going to be sent on this mission is the simple child. It's the person who just with simple childlike faith says, Jesus, you believe in me. You've commissioned me. You've told me to go. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I I trust you more than I even trust my feelings. He says these things are sometimes hidden from wise, smart people who overthink things. Who can, who can somehow think this away that, oh, man, God, you couldn't use me or culture's too terrible or this is not going to happen. No, Jesus says the person that can accept this is the person who just innocently says, I believe you, you sent me, I'm going. And so today, if, if your life, if you're needing a mission, I invite you to join us on this mission. To, to, to this morning, if, if, if you had joined that mission at one point in your life, but your life's become so uncluttered that Jesus would say, simplify and go. Or maybe sin has come into your life and you, you don't have anything to share because you're back in darkness and today you need to confess that before the church. Or maybe there's so much going on in your life, maybe it's sickness or job problems or relationship problems that, you know, you just feel, buddy, I'm just so overwhelmed with these things. I, I don't know how I could be sent. Guys, before we send you out these doors, we'd love to pray for you. So today, if you need prayers to be sent, then don't hesitate to come right now while we all stand and sing.